I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now I'm talking with an old friend of mine, Spencer. Uh, we haven't talked in a long time. We're, we're catching up over, you know, old memories and stuff. But uh, he's down in uh, in Los Angeles. And uh, is it still L.A. County is where you were at? Yeah, I think actually technically. Yeah, we're L.A. County, but it's like Glendale is like. We're like right on the border. Cool. Cool. Uh, Spencer from Trash Talk. Also, you can follow him as Dogman Toys. So this is something that. Uh, so, you know, first off, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Um, this is I, so I had been following Dogman Toys just because I I was I get a kick out of like custom toys. I'm a I'm an action figure collector, as nerdy as that, you know, as nerdy as that is. Uh, you know, I I collect all kinds of wrestling figures and whatnot, and I follow all these you know weird accounts, and 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 then all of a sudden I I realized it was you. So um, before we get into like the music side of things and stuff, tell me about Dogman Toys. Tell me about, you know, um, how you got into custom action figure making and whatnot. Yeah. So probably about six years ago, I guess, at this point, had a little bit of a a little more downtime with the band and uh, kind of started exploring some interests that I had had before and spending more time with my dog and kind of hanging out. Got back into sculpting and basically wanted to start painting my sculpts, but had no skill or experience with paint. So I didn't want to mess them up. Sure. So I started learning about uh, duplication process, molding and casting. And as I was learning more about that, I learned that I could, you know, break these very intricate sculpts that I was making that were not, you know, optimally made to be, you know, duplicated. So I started making uh practicing on like toy pieces and then tried to kind of like kit bashing and then realizing that was a whole thing. And Kind of just dove dove head first from there. What was your first piece? The first piece that I did, I think um the first thing that I actually sold was like a uh a, a stormtrooper 
there's a stormtrooper and like a bootleg like wrestling action figure i think i have one maybe in awesome the it was either that or like i think there were these guys too which i didn't even sell it was like a, a weird head that i was uh that's cool it's like a head that i'd sculpted oh this is what this was like one of my first molds it's a uh, captain america shield that's so cool and like looks so messed up so bad but yeah it's sick so i mean some of the stuff you you have on there is like bart bart simpson related um you know uh i don't know if you can you can say that technically copyright or whatever but you know it's a bart-esque um it's a it's it's a limited edition uh uh art it's limited edition art so it's not mass produced it's not yeah yeah we're not trying to step on any toes or anything yeah uh, what are you working on right now is there anything you can tell us uh what am i doing right now uh i just actually finished today i took down i had an art show going on at brain dead fabrications yeah down here um it ran for like six weeks uh it was just a bunch of stuff so i kind of was getting out of out of there today it was the last day of teardown so i had my kid and got the grid walls out and tore down the wall and got all the gear out uh working on a couple figures um one for for an artist that i can't really mention sure. uh, but it's a potential prototype uh for a figure he's a heavily memed uh rapper okay and he kind of leans into that yeah. so it's basically it's a figure he got roasted for wearing a couple years ago and okay. we're, we're we're basically making the making the roast a reality and so yeah finishing that up this week uh i got a couple um a couple collectors to have some Grateful Dead stuff they wanted made. So I'm okay. making, uh, got a, a Jerry Garcia playing an acoustic guitar for a collector. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm shipping that out in a couple of days. It's uh it's a wild world, man. Like, and, and, and I mentioned it, you know, that I'm a collector of wrestling figures and, and during the pandemic, uh, something that I noticed is that there's a lot of, um, fellow wrestling nerds that make, um, officially licensed wrestling figures for, you know, like some wrestlers that maybe, you know, aren't on mainstream wrestling or something like that. And, and so like, there's the, all these different indie brands that start to make these mass produce or not mass produced, but, you know, kind of limited, you know, maybe 500 pieces or something like that. It's like, it's so crazy. It's like the world of indie music, indie video games, indie toys. Now, um, you know, it's, it's really awesome. So, um, yeah, man, dog man toys, check it out um so talk about your music um so you grew up in bakersfield right yeah so tell me about bakersfield i know corn um i know oil yep and that's about it is that what so what? we got corn we got, so basically yeah corn and uh oil <laughs> is that <laughs> where you were that. born bakersfield there's, I was born. I was born actually about about five miles from where I live in now, but moved okay. up there with my parents when I was like one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're from there. My grandparents all lived up there at the time. Um, yeah, it's just like a. It's a big, small town. It's oil and agriculture. It's, most people there kind of grew up there, went to high school there. May have done conservative. Yeah, very conservative. Yeah. Um, what, what got you into music? Was it your family? No, it was actually, uh, through sports randomly. Like I was like through, I remember my, you playing baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That's what took me up to the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, uh, Bakersfield's one of those like towns. That's like the whole town is pretty much suburbs. Sure. So like everyone kind of like 
not everyone, but like if you're into skating, it's not odd that you play baseball or play football or do other stuff as well. And uh, so it was like this, the summer before going into my freshman year, I was playing football and I was a quarterback. And so I was yelling a lot. And one of my linemen goes like, dude, you got a crazy like voice. Like, and also I was, I was like a bouncing off the walls, like just ball of energy at that time. So I was just goofing around being weird, screaming, yelling. He's like, dude, you should like sing for a band. What kind of music you like? I'm like, Oh, you know, I like, at the time I was listening to like, you know, I was like, I like the casualties. I like, GBH. Oh, okay. and he's like, Oh dude, you like punk. Like let's do a punk band. And he was, he was playing in a band called, I think they were called 10 mile radius. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, let's start a band. So we started a band. One of our wide receivers, older brothers played drums. They had just moved to town from Jakarta. Whoa. Yeah. And it, there's because of that connection, there was like weird connections down the line. Like, that guy Scott, uh, who was the drummer, actually played played in a band with Jason Wallace, who was the guitar pl- or bass player of Bitter End. Whoa! <laughs> and he actually came out like the Texas uh, hardcore band. Texas Bitter hardcore End? Bitter wow. End. Yeah, he came out to visit. Like this is this is like literally probably like a decade before Bitter End starts. This is like, uh, no, not that. Maybe it's five six years. It's like two thousand, like ninety nine. He comes to visit Scott and like yeah meeting this dude and it's like you know we're talking music and it's just like this rant like when you're a kid you know it's completely different <laughs> it's like absolutely like, like you guys like you remind me of the bad brains it's like we don't say anything like the bad brains but of course i was like you know brown kid bouncing off the walls yeah. with dreads and it's like oh yeah it's pretty similar i guess in some regards when i was in high school i i i sang for a band that and and it was just the um like only kids that liked alternative rock right so the bassist wanted it to sound like tool the guitarist wanted it to sound like murder city devils the other guitarist wanted it to sound like ozzy osbourne and i wanted it to be like pop punk it's like dude no like what <laughs> it's the best of all worlds yeah it was really cool yeah it ended up great um yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, um, so you start 10 mile radius. Yeah. So he had his band, they were doing their thing. Um, and then we started a band. It was called at random. And then it really started going. We were called scaryville played a bunch okay. of shows. Um, there's a band from Tehachapi called diehard youth that kind of, oh, yeah. yeah. So Andy diehard, they, he kind of took us under his wing and had us open shows and was like, even shows we weren't booked on. He's like, you'll come out and play, like come set up, like do your thing. Cause we were like on like the, the edge of hardcore. Sure. Not quite there. Um, and he had us, uh, when what was it 2000 or 2001 on that first, uh, American nightmare West coast tour. Wow. Uh, it was American nightmare carry on. I think reach the sky may have, no that was later i think it was bane reached the sky faded gray it was later that year um but they, he had us open that that an show and that was like the first like holy like this is like a thing yeah everyone's just like picking up change and it was like <laughs> we, we were just like you know a skater like high school uh, kids, like, yeah is this and from there it was just like the fuse was ignited we were just trying to play from there it was just play faster yeah. jump off more stuff like go crazier so you're playing in this band. Uh, what brought you up to Tacoma a few years later? Was it baseball? Yeah. Uh, so I went to college at University of Puget Sound. Um, 
it was one of a few schools that wanted me to come play baseball. Um, and uh, did you get a scholarship? Not, they're D3, so they don't really offer a scholarship, but okay. they had a spot on the team. They gave me a job, so they kind of put money in my in my pocket that wouldn't I wouldn't have had. So I was the I was the field maintenance guy, which basically meant like I practice and I do a little maintenance work, but it's not any more maintenance than what the team's doing. Sure. Um, yeah. And when I went up there, I was uh, eating in the cafeteria and was I think I was wearing a cursed shirt. And uh, Adam Adam Barnes was working in the cafeteria. Okay. He looks up and goes, he goes, what the hell? He goes, you like cursed? I thought I thought you were just some weird jock. Because <laughs> I've been coming through the cafeteria line getting food with like the team. And, hmm. and he goes like, yeah, like if you're into like uh, we do house shows and stuff over at my crib, like come hang out. I went over to the house and I think it was that uh, hit the deck show. I think uh, it may, I don't know if it was that was the first show, but like I met like Evan Nolte, uh, saw Gray Skull play. Met Tony Wolf, like Brian, all those dudes. Yeah, Tim. that's okay. So, so you're kind of just you get in. Were you living on campus? Yeah, I was living in the dorms at that time. Nice. And did you do uh, UPS radio? Did you? Yeah, me and uh, the guy who ended up being my roommate, Jason Henderson. We had a show. What was it even called? I don't even remember what it was called. But yeah, we did a show from like I think eleven to one. Yeah. On tuesdays yes yeah man. yeah k-u-p-s that's awesome you guys played like probably like metal hardcore and stuff like that yeah oh. we did a, we did like everything but like a lot of metal hardcore punk and then with like like we would take a little break and we would play like michael jackson and like awesome. pop and stuff for like a little bit and just kind of have fun with it hell yeah you got any of those recordings no no, no. They, but you know what they may have some archive stuff because I know there was they were doing some deep art. They were like keeping a lot of records of stuff up there. They got but I'm surprised if that was one that uh <laughs> right. They're like I don't know about those these ones. Um, hard drive was next to the magnets. <laughs> uh, okay, so w- I remember you were in a band, uh, and I don't even know if you probably well maybe you do, but I remember seeing a band called Set It Free. Yeah. And people were just staring and not moshing. And I remember after the set, you were like, Fuck you guys, you guys are my friends. You should go off. This is bullshit. Cause everyone was just standing there staring like <laughs> cool guys. It was, and yeah. Rick Powell was in your band. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the, the first like Opus band. It was like, uh, I had written a bunch of tracks and then got like uh, a couple roommates and then some like surrounding guys to play them. And, it was rough. It was weird. It was probably really bad. Realistically. I saw you in Olympia. Um, I don't remember necessarily. I just remember the name set it free. Yeah. I do remember um, early memories of you. You were a very hard mosher, like incredibly hard mosher. You would people up, dude. And uh, I think you weren't smoking weed at the time. So you were probably a little bit more aggro. I was an edgeman. Yeah. You're an edgeman and you were just like, you were, you know, you were, you were some people up, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be a teenager. You're a mosh warrior, dude. <laughs> at the, at the midnight sun in Olympia, man. Yeah, man. Good times. Um, so, okay. So how far into, you know, um, being in the Northwest, uh, did you join trash talk and did you, did you, uh, immediately get along with those guys? So 
Yeah. The reason, like, so I, I joined trash talk actually like pro like kind of on the drive when I was moving from Tacoma back to Bakersfield. Okay. Um, like I was, I met Lee, uh, at the carry on reunion shows. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that what was that 2000 and five or six. Yeah. You, you make like a thousand demos and you start handing out these demos. Yeah. Passing demos out. And I think we played a open, like one of the opening shows. And then at that point we were just playing any and every show we could. It seemed like you guys really just like went for it, like immediately. And, yeah. and, you know, you were playing tons of shows. It almost seemed like you, you like moved to a new town or, or, or state. Like you guys were like on the East coast for a while there. Right. And then like you were a Seattle band for a little while. And then yeah. like you became like a California band. You guys were just like hitting it hard. From Yeah. We were basically going on tour and then wherever we broke down, we would live <laughs> and figure it out and then kind of get do odd jobs. And then, book another tour and then go somewhere else and then start playing and then break down inevitably somewhere else and kind of stay there and gig. It was always pretty uh, fly by the seat of our tails at the beginning. You guys get pretty close, pretty fast, right? Yeah. Yo, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, what, what are, what are your, some of your earliest memories of, of those like really like, you know, fast and, and loose days of, of just touring super hard with, with trash talk. I mean, we used to pack in like we used to tour in Garrett's. Uh, he had a Saturn, said like station wagon. Okay, uh, that was like our first. I think it was either that car or our drummer Chris Hans had a had a, a, a this like the same car but white. Yeah, basically like imagine a, a Ford Taurus with a Saturn emblem on the front. Okay, and uh, yeah, we would just basically drive at any time we would see like uh train tracks or like layups, we would just like pull off and go paint and like we were just like hanging out, having fun, and driving long ash drives to go play whatever show and but taking time to go do you know do our thing and have fun. And we have fools always had like skateboards and paint and oh, we're just out having fun, bro. Like uh <laughs> we pack I think it was uh sync with Cali, we packed like six of us maybe seven and uh Kristen Passating's like Honda Civic it was like a two-door Honda wow. and it was like six of us plus a bunch of merch and guitars and it was like four across the back seat like two people laying across the seat like two in the front seat and a driver and we were driving you know from Seattle to San Pedro so it was like Jesus <laughs> just a straight drive and people were like dying in there needing windows cracked just to be able to breathe and it was like a lot of like that that was the year that hoods played at sync with cali right uh in hiv power i think that i think that was the next year i think the the year the that was was um would have been like the first like uh incarnation of let live which mm. no when no one knew what was going on but i remember brian skiffington and i were just like what was that like it kind of sounded like glass jaw he's like he's like i don't know dude the the, the singer just kept saying the n-word like I, I was really uncomfortable i had to leave i was like i thought that was like one of the coolest parts of the set <laughs> like <laughs> we didn't know what was going on because we, wow. we were from out of state 
Uh, Damn. Um, okay, so so you're you guys just start touring like like and um, you guys uh, kind of just so you guys have this this emblem, the upside down peace sign, and it became kind of like this the trademark of trash talk and you, know, you guys made hats of it but the t-shirt man it's like that's like when i think of that era of hardcore it's like the one t-shirt design right so like we got the like bane shirt you got the black flag sh- bane hoodie you got the black flag shirt for that era it's the trash talk t-shirt how, do you know how many colors you guys did of that t-shirt no clue but it was like a different color or two for like every tour or show for a while there's a lot of them there's some patterns and yeah, there's a lot there's a lot garrett would probably have a better idea of how many of like what the actual numbers are but i don't even know and what it's it's funny to me when, when people say that because it's like i know that we we definitely probably sold a lot of those shirts but because we were playing most of the shows we were at we didn't see a lot of those shirts on you know so it's like it feels like other shirts were more prevalent, I guess. You would leave, and then for the next year, everyone would leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wear it to scraps. <laughs> exactly, dude. Um, so uh, b- before um, you know, you guys really got going with that, um, was that – did you guys know you were going to – like that was going to be the thing? Was that like intentional, or did it just kind of happen? No, it was just kind of like who we who we kind of were. Like me and Lee were just balls of energy. Like Garrett was like stuck, like just stuck to be on the like be out and like playing shows. We were just kind of like doing what made sense. I don't know if there was ever really like a like it was always on our terms and we would like do what we wanted to do, but it was never like a there was never like a game plan really. Uh, so uh, sometime down the road and, and, and I'm curious, uh, you guys kind of link up with odd future and I ended up going to zoomies and seeing a trash talk t-shirt. Uh, how, how did all of, you know, that that, it was really cool, man. How, how did you guys meet up with the, the odd future guys and, and kind of get linked up with that crew? So I actually, I missed that, that, uh, it was at South by Southwest when everyone linked up at the, uh, fader fort, um, through, there was a photographer that was uh, traveling with them at the time who was their tour manager. His name is Brick Stowell. He's a good friend of ours. And he brought them out to the trash talk show and was like, yo, you got, that's like the same energy, like check this out. And they kind of like vibed. And then once, once I recovered from my, <laughs> from, from, from the, from the hospital, I, when I linked back up, it was just kind of go time and it made sense energy wise and kind of like, the vibe they brought and kind of like the the whole kind of like ethos was very similar absolutely man so um you know th- something that is happening now that i think you guys were very ahead of your time and is is we'll see bands like knock loose going on tour with suicide boys right or yeah. orange going on tour with the, uh similar hip-hop groups and stuff you guys were very ahead of your time with that like you guys were going on tour with uh space ghost perp i think it was Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like you guys did, you know, tours with odd feature and stuff like was, uh, was that a good vibe? Like, like, w- was that, uh, like really fun going on tour with hip hop groups? Yeah, like for being, sure. Like being the odd band out as like, you know, the, the punk band. 
Yeah, for sure. Like uh, at at like playing shows like that, it wasn't wasn't necessarily like any different than playing a punk show. To be honest, like yeah, uh, like everyone's got like a first show, and it's kind of cool to know that you're going to be the band that's going to be a lot of people's first show. Yeah, and especially like if they've already like if 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 you're like a 13, 14, 15 year old kid listening to Odd Future, like at in that era, and someone introduces you to like some abrasive like rock people are jumping around it's not going to be foreign at all because you've already seen a lot of that stuff going on so i don't know it kind of made sense what's the what's the wildest party you remember from that era i don't even know i don't even i don't even remember i remember uh <laughs> i don't even know man i've got like, some vice uh party or something like that maybe i got like the worst memory for like stuff like <laughs> <laughs> fair enough uh, yeah i don't even know i'm trying to uh we we used nah i don't even know we used to play like we uh when we were we went to london for a summer we lived in london for a while okay did your car like, break down there <laughs> no <thank laughs> the, the plane broke down okay and so we had to stay no uh we actually moved out there we were we got offered like a few festivals i think it was the year we were playing reading and leeds awesome uh, and so we were like Let's just like stay out here in the meantime, rather than fly back and forth. That doesn't really make sense. Like it's yeah. the same amount if we just like get a place and like start just pay rent. Amazing. Let's just play shows out here in the, in the meantime. And so we kind of just did it, and that was a, a vice. A vice venue was one was a spot we played quite a bit. It was called Old Blue Last, mm-hmm. and we not really a residency, but we played there probably like probably six times over that summer. For <laughs> a local band. Yeah, essentially. That's amazing, dude. That's like a yeah, like a residency, a local band residency. That's really cool. Um, so you know, you guys, uh, um, how when the pandemic hits, uh, what what are, what are, where are you at? Yeah, well, you are about to have a kid, right? Right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, like on February twenty fifth, twenty twenty, uh, our son was born, and that was like a week before hospital lockdown and like everything. So like, luckily uh, my girl works a, uh, she works like a nine, not, not even nine to five. She works a, uh, she's a uh, director of sales and marketing for a hotel. So okay. she's got like a, she, it's like a full like career. Yeah. So she's like doing like, she works quite a bit. And so luckily she was able to take, you know, maternity leave and then, you know, paid family leave. And then there's just like the hotel business kind of shuts down for a while. So it was kind of like the perfect time. So we got to spend a lot of time with, with him and she got to spend more time than she would have without, you know, with having to go back to work. So we were really lucky in that regard. It actually sounds kind of ideal, honestly. Yeah, It was, it was kind of crazy. Like, uh, and it was like a good distraction from, yeah. The craziness wow um aside from that you know like was that the main thing that kept you sane was like spending time with your family yeah 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 hanging out with the family making music um yeah so making music uh did you guys record music or for trash talk or was it something else uh, i got some other stuff going on so like right before for the pandemic, maybe a year before pandemic, I started playing bass for uh, Infest. Um, and then 
which obviously everything shut down for pandemic stuff. But like, I, I kind of like write, write demos and make, make music for myself. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was making just a kind of bunch of stuff and working on the toys and kind of diving full into that because there's no, there's no, uh, not that it's about a paycheck, but nothing coming in from the music side. So dive full into toys and make that a job and kind of like it luckily it kind of worked out that's awesome yeah so you just casually dropping that you're an infest um yeah (laughs) (laughs) i should have known but that's epic man crazy man so um awesome uh obviously legendary band um so i'm i'm kind of curious here about uh a couple of random questions for you, man. So we've kind of covered, you know, up into, you know, uh, today, kind of up until today. So um, trash talk, you guys, you guys have anything go, you guys are going to be playing furnace fest. Mm, yeah. Furnace fest. Uh, yeah. Do you guys have any, uh, any music on the horizon or anything you can mention? No, not nothing planned, but I mean, I've always got some, uh, some tracks in the barrel and, and we'll, uh, there's never not like uh, it, when we decide to record, it's kind of like a uh, me and Garrett. Will, one of us will call each other like, "Hey, let's you know, you want to make some music that sounds like this, or hey, you want to do some uh, like one of those weird like calls you get from your buddy that's like, hey, you want to go to the bar? It's like, hey, you want to make a record? <laughs> that's great. Yeah, and you guys are all living pretty close together. Uh, yeah, more or less. They're in the city. I'm kind of in the suburbs. Awesome, man. Right on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Um, so just some more fun, some more fun, fun questions, not necessarily trash talk related. Um, so when you're having a crappy day, Spencer, um, and you want to put on a record that'll kind of either, you know, cheer you up or get some aggression out, it just if you're just having a crappy day, what's a record you can reach for? Uh, there's this, it's actually, I think it just became back available on streaming services. It's called, it's a, it's an anthology record by this band called the jets. The jets. Yeah. J E T Z Z. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good one. It's just like a, like a, like a power pop group and it's just a real catchy and fun. And that kind of just 
gets me out or whatever. Uh, Are they a current band? No, 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 no. The anthology at that record is like 77 to 79. Oh, wow. Okay. I think one of the guys or a couple of the guys did some stuff after, but it's not the same. Okay. Jets. I'm checking out. You said Buzzcocks? Yeah, Buzzcocks, singles going steady. That's like a, that's always a get up and go. Absolutely. Um, so we we've talked about some of the crazy you know sets that you guys played and and um you know I'm sure there's so many great shows. What's the worst? What's the crappiest show that you can think of other than Set It Free? Crappiest show. I feel. I don't know if it was a crappy show. It was a really really weird show. We were on tour with Modern Life Is War and uh-huh. um. I forget who else was on the tour, but it was us and them. We were playing the, in this, uh, I think the venue was called the forge or the foundry in Joplin, Missouri. And okay. it was one of those like mega church venues where there's like a huge church, like stadium, like rock church, like the paradox. Yeah. Yeah. But then they have also have like, like this elite rock climbing wall, like a dope, like half pipe, like skate yep. park. They've got like a, a soda bar at the back. There's like, uh, of like a full court, like, like nice, like basketball gym where we, it was trash dog versus modern life is war. Obviously we destroyed, but is this the uh, gemstones, like, what are we going? You know, it was just so bizarre, but the venue made us uh, sign a contract that we couldn't cuss on stage or play any songs with like cursing. And it was just like, I think we had just written the self-titled record. Lots of swearing. Yeah. Good amount of swearing. We were just like, you guys want to just play this start to finish. It's like, all right, cool, let's do it. So we just played this record start to finish to like seven people in this venue that could probably fit like 2K, 3K easy. Just this huge, like (laughs) this giant, like warehouse, like style venue. After playing basketball and drinking some sodas. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Shout out. Uh, What's it called? I think the Foundry or the Forge. The Foundry. Foundry. Nice, dude. Oh, I do. And, and also it was like within, within a, a smelling distance of like a dog food processing factory. Oh, so on the loadout, you get to like walk just full face into just like the thickest, like dog food smell. So if that's like a trigger for you, which it is for me, like you're going to be gagging all oh, night. Cool. Yeah. Oh. It was rough. Jesus. That's the worst uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh Okay. So what, what, uh, what is your biggest musical like inspiration, like to keep going, you know, like what's, what keeps you going? Because, you know, like you're kind of at this point, you know, the lifer, you know, right. Yeah, definitely a lifer. I I just, I don't know. It's kind of always been there. It's kind of always been something I did and kind of who I was like, even with like before like punk and stuff, like I was making, like, I was like making songs with my cousins when we were like three, four years old and like recording them on like those little Fisher price tape tapes and we had like a group called the cousins and like we wrote like that's amazing full tracks and like my my grandma just passed recently and at the uh at the repast my cousin and i were like he's like you remember you used to write these songs like bro the other day i was like i was at work and i was just like sitting there started raining and i was like thinking i was like man it's like drip drop drip drop and he started singing this song we wrote when i was like four years old and he's like dude like those songs were catchy like that was fun so it's like it's kind of it's been just like 
in on like the on the stove with the other going on and even when it's not trash talk or i've got like some new projects like one i can't really talk about but some music coming out really soon yeah with that yeah it's just kind of always been there and it just kind of feels like uh i don't know like always making something like yeah. getting into like i'm sure you're the same way like hearing new music getting into new music and then oh, yeah. just bring like you know hey i like uh you know i like you know dutch hardcore or I like you know i listen to yeah. now I listen to like you know like you know some new genre or whatever thinking back of uh former formative like hardcore records like what's your mount rushmore of hardcore big oh four. like the big four your big four of hardcore jeez i've never been good with stuff like this it would prop like we'll go with like influential like like formative stuff like stuff that like I'll take Infest out of the out of the mix because I I play with them now. But like, so we'll go with like uh, bands like Spaz kind of laid the foundation for me. Black Flag, of course, but that's kind of cliche to say. Bad Brains, obviously. Social Unrest, man. I don't know Social Unrest. Uh, it's a Bay Area band. They don't get a whole lot of love. They got they were like around in like eight like eighty one. Okay. Early eighties. Uh, sick ass band. Okay, so my last question for you, man. So um, this is a question that we kind of talked about, uh, and and let's go back to this uh, to to this um, story. So the question that I always ask is, um, pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it. So let's go into that story, man. I'm actually going to go left. Okay. So because I, I I that was the thing I, I know that you I know, I know that's the question you ask. Yeah. I got a scar on my I'll I'll tell you about the other one, but I got a scar on my eye. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Right there. My bone, my like orbital is like I like, weird. Yes. So it's relevant now cuz I'm basically at the eight my son's at the almost at the age that I was when I got this. Mm-hmm. So I was doing T-ball. We didn't have a tea at the house and my dad like was this was like the nineties. So, uh, actually this is probably 89. So beach volleyball is like really big. Yes. Bakersfield's got a bunch of like dry riverbeds. So beach volleyball was huge in Bakersfield. So my dad had these like tires with cement fills in them with like, uh, like aluminum or like steel pipe in sure. it. So they, can put, so they can put the nets up in them. Yeah. So he has one of those. And rather than get a, a rubber tee for me to practice on, he puts a piece of carpet on top of that and puts a ball on top. Okay. Thinking like, oh yeah, it's a T, perfect height. Dude, the first can swing. I just take a swing at it and hit the corner of the T. And the bat bounces back straight off, catches me directly in the Shit. eye. Split just splits. All I remember seeing is just blood just shooting everywhere. To the ER, blue sheet over the face, like stitched up. It was fine, but ended up having like a pretty gnarly, like a uh, sharp. It's dulled down over the years, but a pretty sharp little uh, shard in my head for a while. Did you get a concussion? Uh, probably. Nasty. Probably. But that was before people really talked about concussions. They're like, ah, oh, you just knocked down. Yeah, I definitely had a concussion in uh, like junior high football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like a kickoff or a punt or something. I was like just sprinting downfield and like we just went head to head me and this kid and like. I remember like not, I don't remember any of the rest of the game, but I remember throwing up on the sideline, being super dizzy. And then we went to the bank with, with my mom afterwards for some reason. And like, I was just like standing there in line 
And for no reason at all, I just started crying. <laughs> and I was just like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? And like, and she's like, are, are you feeling okay? Like, do you have a headache? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, does your stomach hurt? I'm like, yeah. Like, I think you have a concussion. Like, don't go to sleep. Yeah, don't go to sleep. <laughs> like, let's, but of course, we don't go to the don't go to the doctor or anything. Yeah, of course. Is this the 90s? Exactly. So um, do you want to tell the story about? Yeah, I could talk about that. So I got a few other scars. Uh, So the reason I wasn't at the Odd Future meeting with the guys is uh, then like the night before I was supposed to go to L.A. to link up with the dudes to drive out there. I was hanging with some like a a couple buddies in Bakersfield. Yeah. Alley we were talking about. Uh, We weren't hanging out in Alley. There's a there's an an alley called uh, I Street Alley that has a few bars off of it in Bakersfield. And we went to a bar and from walking from one bar to the next, uh, a friend of mine who I won't mention his name was speaking to. We kind of lose him in the shuffle. uh, And I say we it was like me, Tim. And I think Tim's uh, I said his name. Well, Tim's a a female friend of of his. And we were going from one place to the next and Tim's gone. So we're like, you know, where did Tim go? Like, what the heck? Turn around. He's talking to the, this big, like uh, skinhead looking dude. So we go, Hey, what's going on, Tim? Are you good? Tim is like, I, just, I think I, I know you from somewhere. Like, where do I know you from? The guy's like, you don't know me. He's like, nah, dude, I know you. I know you. And the guy's like, all you need to know is I don't like, because I hate black people. And next thing I know, guys rushing me blah, blah, blah. We're kind of squabbing. I feel these big kind of blows to my sides. Next thing I know, I got shreds in my shirt, bleeding, bleeding a good amount. Uh, long story short, my childhood, my childhood homie, Mike <laughs> takes me to the, uh, to the ER on the East side of town, which luckily he's got a lot of experience with, uh, with stab wounds. Jesus. So they, uh, they glued me up and gave me some medicine forgot to give me a tetanus shot so i had to drive back as i left i'm like wait a second i didn't get a tetanus shot so i had to go back and get a tetanus shot brutal you you still have that scar yeah it's three i got a few of them yes on the i got on my elbow the elbow i got hit here on my elbow was that kind of down to the almost to the like i was to the bone a little bit on my side here it was like just fat and like like not really i'm not i'm not a very big guy i'm pretty small so it's like you could see like fatty tissue and like meat and kind of like weird goo and stuff coming out and then like a little tiny one over here that was just like flesh and a little uh little muscle thanks to the bakersfield nazi jesus yeah man peckerwoods f that guy yeah on that note (laughs) (laughs) Uh, follow him at Dogman Toys. Follow Trash Talk. They're playing Furnace Fest. You know it's getting late, man, dude. But it's been awesome chatting with you and 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 uh, punishing you, man. Um, that's what I do. My radio show is only a reason for me to punish my friends. Yeah, man, I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm not the greatest uh, speaker, so I kind of amble through stories, and I'm sure I'll, I'll remember a few things after we finish this conversation, and I'll be like, oh, I should have said. Oh, man. Uh, it's great to chat with you. Um, I'll uh, I'll try and uh, dig up a Grayskull demo to send send your way, man. Actually, you know what? I think I have one of the original Trash Talk demos in Sweet. my in my CD uh, demo pile. I still collect CDs. These compact discs. I still collect them. Yeah, man. I see. They're coming back, dude.
CD coming back. What's the next format? Will there be a, a, a like a, a physical format? You know, it's funny. You know, it's going to come back. Mini disc. Remember mini disc? Yeah. I mean, my homie, my homie, uh, my homie, uh, Andrew was like really big on mini discs and like was just all in was like buying them and taping stuff. And yep. for like the one year that they were in vogue, <laughs> I had a friend who sold his entire like CD and record collection to like, just buy mini discs. It's so funny. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that really took off, dude. It's like, it's like the person who bet on beta instead of VHS beta max. It's the person who's like, I purchased all beta max. I mean, my, it's like my grandpa. He, he bought, I mean, he was a laser disc guy. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go over there and be like, want to watch a laser disc? Like, all right, who's going to get up and flip it over? Who's going right? to switch it over? The movie's halfway over now. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.